welcome to episode 12. How are you doing? I am so great. Welcome listeners as well. How are you, Nancy? I'm good. I'm good. My mom has been visiting for a week, Jen. So fun. A week. So fun. Yes. That's great. But she's an avid listener of the podcast. She is, as well as her being here. Yeah. So all I'm going to say is, hi, mom. Thanks for listening. I'm just kidding. It's been good. It's been a nice visit. I was so excited to see her. I will say that she she has an e-bike, but I did not know this, but when you have an e-bike, you have to be pedaling for it to work. Like you can't just sit no. on the bike and not move. Because it charges from you pedaling. Yeah. And in the last two weeks, she rode 700 kilometers. Whoa. And big shout out to my stepfather, Sam, who rode the 700 kilometers without an e-bike, just with the power of his legs. Nice. Yeah. He does look pretty fit and healthy, I have to say. Yeah, they bike a lot. So they flew into the Quebec City airport mm -hmm. and they stayed at our cottage in Quebec City for a week and did a few day trips. And then they rode their bikes from Quebec City to uh, Montreal. And they stopped about, I think, three or four nights at Airbnbs. So congratulations, Mom and Sam. Mm -hmm. Nice to have you here. And I'll be taking you to the train after I record this podcast. Where are they going? They are taking the train to Toronto and visiting a friend in Ontario for nice. another week. Cool. So a few housekeeping issues before we get started. Just want to thank everybody for the reviews that are being left on iTunes. You have no idea how much it means to us. And it's not like we sit there every hour and refresh the reviews to see if there's any new ones. Mm. Nothing like that at all. But it does really, really mean a lot to us. And it really helps promote the show. The more iTunes reviews and downloads, and it's free, guys. It's free to give us a review and it's free to download our show and subscribe. It will help Apple to promote our show to a larger audience. Mm -hmm. And on that note, I would like to read a few of the reviews. May 20th from Hungry for Real. The real deal. In an age where we crave authentic and genuine everything, Jen and Nancy deliver this very rare commodity. OTSP, that's the acronym for on the same page. OTSP features compassionate, honorable, and relevant content. Thank you so much, Hungry for Real. From Church Lady 1234. On the same page is about those things. Oh, I love this. On the same page is about those things that you sometimes feel but don't know how to name. Hmm. Jen and Nancy do that for us in a refreshingly fringe sort of way. I love that it's not mainstream. I look forward to hearing more. And last one from Tate's Honorable. On the same page is humanizing, candid, accessible, and open-minded. It's so exciting to hear other fabulous and successful ladies talk about their flaws and regrets in a way that sheds light, perspective, and humor on them. Very important and relatable content. So thanks so much. If you love the show, please take the time to leave a review. So Nancy, I had a really eventful week. I saw you had a show, which once again, I texted you that I would be coming. And then at 7.30, I realized I could not stay up that late. I'm very sorry. You don't have to be sorry. Um, that happened as well, but other things happened. I think, yeah, the morning of that show, what day was that? Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday morning, early, early morning, there was a knock on our front door. And it was two city workers who were working on, I don't know what, the gas pipes or something on our neighbor's house. Okay. 
and they were knocking on the door to tell us that a cat had just given birth under our porch. Oh. So, and it was cute because we went running out to sea and we heard all the little babies meowing and it was so adorable and cute. And the mother seems to be, I wouldn't say feral, but definitely stray. Okay. And also she hates my guts. She hates me so much. She charges me. She hisses at me. She doesn't want me anywhere near the babies. And I feed her three times a day. Does she eat the food? Yeah, she's ravenous. She gobbles it up like crazy. Okay. And my friend, um, Danette, is one of the organizers of the Cat Rescue Pussy Patrol. So Love I, the Pussy Patrol. Oh, they're so amazing. The work they do is so incredible. And she is so knowledgeable and kind and wonderful. So I called her without thinking about the fact that I was calling her. I hope it was 8 a.m. at least. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty early. And asked her what to do. And she was really awesome. And she gave me some advice. So I followed her advice. We've been feeding the mama cat and she, she'll come out and eat really quickly. And she looks at me and looks at her food and lets me stand there while she's eating. But I stayed a bit too long yesterday mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she started coming at me, which scared me. <laughs> and I dropped the container that the cat food okay. had come out of because it's like a wet kitten food All right, because she needs a lot of calories. And I kind of tossed it like. And she stopped and licked it for a second, but kept coming at me. So now I'm backing down my sidewalk out front on a busy street away from her with a big ladle in my hand. Cause I ladle the food into her dish. Cause I'm not going to get close enough to get eaten or scratched. And people are walking down the street and looking at me like I'm insane. Cause I am backing down the sidewalk. A tiny little black cat is following me. I have a ladle <laughs> in my hand and I'm begging her like, please Please leave me alone. <laughs> Go back to your baby. Like, I probably look like I'm scared of cats in general. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, I was just feeding you. Please leave me alone. And she starts meowing though. So I'm confused. What if she just is asking for more food? Like, cause she's not hissing anymore. She's like, meow, meow. Okay. Like coming to, but she's coming intensely towards me and she doesn't, I dropped the, the ladle. She sniffs it, doesn't want it. She's coming to me. So I'm like, if she was ravenous, wouldn't she stop and, and lick the ladle or yeah. something? But people are walking right past her and she's not attacking them or bugging them. Just you. And then she goes back to my house and sits right in front of my stairs and stares at me. So I can't <laughs> go home. So I'm standing on the sidewalk. My kitchen ladle's in the middle of the sidewalk. People are still walking past me, looking like I'm insane. She could not care less about them. She's letting them walk by. She's barely looking at them. And then finally she goes back. In the house, I gather up my stuff, I run inside and I text my daughter and she's like, mom, she's probably just hungry still. She's probably wants more food. So I go back out with another (laughs) ladle of food. And as I approach her bowl, she comes charging out and hissing at me. So I throw the food everywhere. (laughs) I go running inside. Sounds like a power struggle. I'm so stressed out. I am so stressed out. I'm so scared to use my front porch. I'm scared to feed her. No one else is. Then upstairs neighbors walk by fine. Joanne doesn't have a problem with her. I'm the one who's feeding her. I can't tell if she's like, I want to be your friend because you're feeding me. I just don't want you near my babies. Which would be like the common sense. Right. Or or if she's like, you don't leave me and my babies alone. You're here three times a day. Get <laughs> lost, lady. So I think the worst part about this is that I'm really personalizing it because I want her to like me. <laughs> 
I want her to like me. I I was actually singing at her the other day, like, you should let me love you. But like, <laughs> she was not into it. Now, the last thing either of us need is more cats. I know, Nancy, but they're so cute. This podcast is already so close to the slippery slope of cats and menopause. <laughs> That's what we should have called it. Season two, cats and menopause. Can we just, we can name it. <laughs> Oh my God. It's I have happening. to bleep out now that that you just said. I'm sorry. I'm very tired. I don't because sleep. what are you, you don't sleep because of the cat or other issues? Well, I don't sleep if it's raining because I'm worried about her and the baby. Oh my God. Also, Nancy, so Joe went out of town on business, probably her other girlfriend, but she calls it business <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday night. So I'm convinced Renault has a whole other family in Toronto. So I hear you. Okay. I don't, I feel like I should be more bothered by it. I just like to have the bed to myself. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking forward to sleeping alone and having a nice long sleep once I got home from my show Wednesday night and I fell asleep around midnight and at 4am somebody starts ringing my doorbell like ding, 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 like, like frantically. So I'm like, Oh my God, the cat. So I'm half asleep and I go running to the door. My dog is like just barking and barking, going bonkers. And then I stop and I'm like, the cat's not ringing the doorbell. And who would ring the door? I don't know. Maybe it's about the cat. I don't know. And then I, maybe it's the police department. Maybe not about the cat. Just like, <laughs> you know, sometimes fire department, yes. like they ring on, ah, there's a fire on your block or a gas leak or whatever. So I go and I peek out my window and there's no one on the porch. So then I open the door to kind of peek and see if anyone, because I'm dumb, I look around off the porch and there's a guy on the sidewalk and he points to my next door neighbor's house and says, oh no, Stan, it was a delivery for for your next door neighbor. A delivery at 4 a.m.? Yeah. And doesn't say sorry for waking you, nothing. He's just weird and sketchy about it and he gets in his car and drives away. So I lock the door and I go back to bed and I can't fall back asleep because I get up pretty early as it is. So, and I'm a light sleeper and also that was weird. And then I'm also wondering if the cat's okay. So (laughs) if I should get up and feed her yet, I go back to bed, lay there for like half an hour. And then I just get up and start the day. And later that morning, I see the next door neighbor. I'm like, did you get a delivery at four o'clock this morning? He was like, no, a delivery of what at four o'clock in the morning? And then I was like, okay, that's great. So every time Joanne goes to visit her girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Is she going to Toronto? Maybe she's with Renault in Toronto. She is going to Toronto next week so is renault oh my god renault is her girlfriend okay we figured it out (laughs) mystery solved well it makes sense if you think of it (laughs) anyway they probably um, started talking about us and then you know that's what it is love blooms love finds you jen they were like let's start a support group and then it was just (laughs) just the two of them So yeah, when Joe goes out of town, I don't know why she does this because we have upstairs neighbors who come and go and lock the door when they want to, but Joe, whenever she's away and on her way back, but even sometimes from another city will text me and say, can you leave the door unlocked? Cause okay. like, I think her keys are super heavy. Like it's really hard for her to get her <laughs> keys out of her bag and just unlock the door when she comes home. In the beginning I was like, sure. Cause I was like, cute. Like I'll unlock the door for you. You're welcome to come into your home freely. And then like, after a while I was like, oh God, just open the door. Like what did you get to unlock the door? But then last night. She texted me from Ottawa. Can you leave the door unlocked tonight? And I was like, no, no, 
I don't leave the door unlocked anymore. That ship has sailed. Yeah. Because not only did it seem weird to begin with, and not only did the neighbors keep locking it and probably hated me like, oh, the girls downstairs, they never locked Those the door. Those dumb lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> but now we have like a weird guy who comes to the door at five yeah. o'clock in the morning. No. For no real reason. So I'm like, no, all the doors and windows will be locked when you get home. In fact, I've changed the locks. So you can sleep under the porch with the crazy the cat. cat who hates me. <laughs> Just trying to decide how far we want to go on this cat. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> we had kittens once. We found these two kittens by the side of the road. That's Fanta and Ninja. That's the two cats we have. And um, I took them in at like five and a half months for their surgery to get them fixed. And the vet said, uh, Ninja, yes, too late for Fanta. And I called Renaud and said, Fanta's already pregnant. And he's like, ask them if we can pay extra. (laughs) (laughs) And I called the vet and said, "Um, is there any way we could pay extra? And she said, no, like it's too far gone. Okay. Like those cats are due in about a week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I sort of knew. She really was getting a little heavy around the middle. (laughs) You were like, she might have worms. Anyway, I felt like super because in my head, I wasn't going to be able to find homes for these kittens. And I was like contributing to animal abuse or having taken them to the SPCA, SPCA and having them put down. It just felt awful. So I called all my friends and told them how bad I felt. And I actually had homes for four or five of them before they were even born. And you took one. Yes. Thank you, Jen. This beautiful story is one of the reasons why I have too many kids. <laughs> <laughs> and four were born and one passed away within 24 hours, which apparently is totally normal. And so we were actually short a cat for good homes. And so it all worked out. Wait, but wait it, you were short a cat? Well, four people had said yes. So we could have given you our could cat have given up yours, else? yes. She's insane. Renault's mom passed away in January and like a week before she passed away, she asked for a kitten. Not sure what I can say about the timing of that decision, but she passed away a few days later after getting the kitten. And so now we have three cats. We have Fanta, Ninja, and Doris. We have Phoebe, Flo, and Willow, the <laughs> crazy demon seed spawn of, spawn of Fanta. I was never a cat person, but somehow with perimenopause... Um, <laughs> You, you tend, I feel like now I'm a cat lady and it's okay. I really like my cats, but my neighbors hate them. Mm-hmm. And I get all sorts of nasty letters and emails and texts. <laughs> that they were, one of them was laying on her lawn furniture. Yes. Like really, really nasty. It super makes me upset about conflict with the neighbor. So I've been making a concerted effort to keep them inside and we'll see how that goes since it's summer. So before we lose all our non-cat lover audience, what are we talking about today? We are talking about self-help. Self-help. Self-help and the self-help industry. Yes. And I think we have quite a lot to say. The first thing I'll say is if self-help success is based on buying self-help books, I'm perfect. Oh, God. I'm a 10 out of 10. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you see how when you came in, you sort of had to climb over all the bookshelves, filled productivity, habits, get rich, be a better writer, be a better marketer, better marriage. <laughs> I've got them all. I, I think what's impressive is how many I've seen you 
get rid of and how many you still have. <laughs> and I used to buy them too, but now I just wait until you go through one of your purging phases and then I just take all of yours home and read them. The sad part is I buy them and I don't read them. I, I buy them with every intention of reading them and then they all pile up and collect dust. Hmm. And sometimes I accidentally buy two. Do you have any doubles right now? I do. I do. They hook me up. Yeah. What is it? It's um, What's in the Way is the Way by yes. Mary O'Malley. I'm into it. Never heard of it. I'll give it a shot. Heard her interview on a podcast. Shout out to the One You Feed podcast. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the interview. So I bought the book and I must have thought about it twice because when Amazon delivered, there were two books oh. in there. So yes, you're welcome to one. I love self-help books, but... I heard an interesting podcast recently. I have to try and remember what it was. Oh, I think it was Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert. Right. Uh, And he was talking to Elizabeth Gilbert. Right. Of um, Remind Us Her Big Book. She has Confessions, Eat, Pray, Love. Eat, Pray, Love. That's what and I was thinking And now Girls City, Girls in the City or Girls? Her Big Magic book was very good oh, as yeah, well. Big Magic was good. So anyway, they were talking. I have really hope I don't have this wrong and I will go re-listen and you can edit it. Doesn't matter. We anyway, already we'll know our listeners don't come here for facts. That's right. Um, so anyway, we were listening to it on the drive back from New Jersey this weekend. And he made an interesting point because he was saying to her that a lot of people find that self-help books make them feel worse about themselves because they feel like if in doing the steps in the book or by reading the book, they weren't able to succeed whatever is promised on the cover, then they have failed. So that that a lot of people buy a lot of self-help books, don't make any progress, and then they feel like the book just made them feel like a failure because they even couldn't have the seven... Habits of highly effective people, or they even couldn't cure themselves by eating broccoli or whatever the thing was. So, um, which I thought was interesting. So that led to, uh, Joe and I like sort of trying to reflect back on what self-help books we've bought or read and like, did they help us? And I don't remember any of them making me feel bad or feeling like a failure. I read them. I'm not great at doing all the steps. Like I get really, I think that's the common thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll get really enthusiastic. I'll do the first three chapters or first three steps or whatever. And then I just kind of, it it trails off and I don't, or I do a portion of every step, but I don't go all the way with it. And I never expect it to actually do what the cover said it was going to do though. I just try and get whatever I can out of it. That's a good point. I read that recently about books. I think it was from Jackie Seinfeld's uh, ADHD blog, Untapped Brilliance, was just to get, if you get even just one thing out of the book, it's okay to put it down. Like you don't have to commit to reading the book cover to cover and implementing everything. And I think that's super healthy because I am one of those people that feels worse. Mm. I read the book, I get halfway through it and I feel super frustrated for different reasons. Like maybe it feels too hard. Like I wanted it to be easier or I realize that I'm, I'm not going to get there. Like I'm just, I know myself and I'm not going to take the steps. Mm. And then I just feel like deflated. Like there's this cycle of despair where in some situations, me, but in general, you feel like you compare yourself to an idealized version of yourself Mm -hmm. in the future, which let's be honest, it's unachievable. 
it, it's you're all because you can always be better at something. So you always have this far future, perfect you, or you compare your A to someone else's E. Yeah. You know, like someone else has lost the 50 pounds. Someone else has the successful blog. Mm-hmm. Someone else has the, has mastered six of the seven effective habits. Yeah. And you start to feel worse about yourself. And what was the whole point of, of reading the book? Like just, it, you would have been better off to save your money and not buy the book. Right. Yeah. So I'm super guilty of that. Like I read something interesting, which was change is simple. Okay. It's super simple. Decide what you want to change, find a strategy to facilitate the change and then commit to making the change. That's it. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is change is simple, but it's not easy. It's super hard. Yeah. If change was easy, we would all have successful blogs, weigh 125 pounds and have the seven effective habits. The truth is most people don't change. And this is why the self-help industry is so robust. Mm -hmm. There's so many people offering a quick fix and unhappy people buy things. Like when I'm unhappy and a blog post or a $39 ebook or a webinar comes up with something that identifies with my pain point, Mm -hmm. whether it's like when I was smoking, quitting smoking or losing weight or, or drinking less wine. Okay. I seem to be opening the kimono here, (laughs) but, um, I will buy it. Yeah. And then, like I just said, it's, it just makes me feel, sometimes it makes me feel worse about myself. Well, it's like when you take those, those courses to like, are you an entrepreneur and trying to find out what your business should be? Like one of the first things I tell you is to find your desperate buyer. Like, so to find a niche that is answering a need that the desperate buyer has. And the dark underbelly of that is they will teach you how to manipulate those people yeah. into buying your program, your book, your podcast. Sorry. This is free. It's no, okay. this is free. <laughs> and we're trying to help. We would edit that out. So then do you feel aware afterwards that that's why you feel worse about yourself after you try it? Say you buy a book and you attempt whatever the steps are to like achieving a hundred percent happiness and health and, and the a problem free life. Problem free yeah, and, and angelic children and the best sex you've ever had um, <laughs> with your partner, what or whoever. Um and, and say that doesn't entirely work. You only achieve bits of it or none of it comes together or you never read the book. Like what are you aware afterwards, like of yeah. why you feel crappy? But Yes. Just in the last few years, I really became more self-aware that I'm reading this book and I'm feeling agitated and grumpy and irritable. And I think that now that you asked me that question, that's about the time I stopped buying the books. I was just like, this isn't working for me. Like I would rather, that might be when I started listening to true crime. Actually, (laughs) I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. I feel way better now. Yeah. So at one point, I'm pretty sure I looked at my bookshelf and I looked at all the books that I had bought that I either never read or I did read and I just felt worse. And like you said, I purged them. Something too. Oh, you mentioned before too, that like different people, I don't remember what you said now. It's too long ago. It was minutes at least, (laughs) but, um, you made some reference to people being different or, or anyway, whether you did or not, people are different, but what also is different <laughs> is our own selves at different stages at different right, times right. and in different moods. And 
It's like the artist's way, uh, written by my real best friend, Juliet Cameron, um, is like, you introduced me to that, I think in like many years ago, maybe 20, yeah, a long time ago ish. Yeah. I remember then I was doing a lot of art. I was being really creative. I was doing a lot of music. I was writing a lot and it helped me on so many different levels. Right. And introduced me to journaling. And also I'd been playing music in Vancouver where I had been living for many, many years, but I hadn't done it in Montreal yet. And I just moved back to Montreal not that long ago. And it was because of reading the book that I went and did my first open mic night in Montreal at the Yellow Door, actually. And I have redone that book so many times since. And every time I do, it brings up different stuff for me, or I'm in a different headspace or a different phase in my life. And I still, there's some things you are expected to do throughout the 12 weeks. It's like a the program, as you know, program. but for listeners who don't know, you get homework, at, you know, for every week. And the to this day, I've done it literally. I've probably done the book 12 times, but to this day, I still can't get myself to go on an artist date, which for anyone who doesn't uh, know or isn't familiar with the book, an artist date is where you have to take like at least an hour alone somewhere Yeah, go do something. You can go for a walk. You can go buy crayons and draw a picture. You can people watch. You, you can, can go, go to an art gallery. You can go to a paper shop. Museum. And yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You can go take pictures in the alley with your phone. You can just eavesdrop on people on a bus, but you have to go consciously spend an hour alone and just sort of be open to whatever inspiration. Open to experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't seem to get it together to do that. And I'm so annoyed with myself, but I still find it interesting that each time I've done the book, I get, I'm inspired. more, yeah, really inspired. And, and I set tasks for myself, which, you know, I love, and I get to write all kinds of lists <laughs> and someone's validating that it's good. Um, but also I'm just, I noticed, cause I just restarted it recently and I just noticed I was in a totally different headspace. And I, first I was like, I'm not going to read, <laughs> I'm not going to read the chapter. I'm just going to skip right to the exercises because I've done it so many times, but I actually did start reading the chapter and I was like, this means something different to me now. Yeah. People change. Yeah. I just said it was super hard and nobody changes, but I do think that we mature over time. And I think I've talked a lot about in this podcast, how I do feel like I've had transformation in the last few years, but it certainly didn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And it was a series of like the self-compassion workshop that I took, the learning more about mindfulness meditation. And I was reading about self-help to prepare for this episode and one of the interesting quotes was, um, happiness is available to everybody. We just have to stop looking outside of ourselves, get out of our own way and, and be more thankful for what we do have mm-hmm. instead of keeping, tra- you know, keep up with the Joneses or yeah. all that. And the self-help industry is worth ten, between 10 and $12 billion Whoa. a year. There are actually 5,000 motivational speakers in the U.S. that take in more than $1 billion, like people a year. So people want to be better. But the underlying message that I kept reading was they're looking for a quick fix. Mm -hmm. They want it to be easy. And they're looking for the promise of a problem-free life. And neither of those two points are realistic. They don't even exist. Something else too, you know, we were talking about the desperate buyer thing before. And one of the things that Joe and I were talking about and that she was saying really bugs her 
um, we, we've talked about this before, but it was like the angle, like the sales pitch, like be your best self, be your most authentic self, heal your life. Um, a lot of it is like implying that you are not a whole right. yeah. perfect person and, but you will be if you do this book. Yeah. And for twenty nine ninety five, yeah, instead you can of, be better. Exactly. Instead of it being tools, like here's some tools to help you, whatever it is, be more focused or find clarity in this thing or organize your pantry or whatever. It's really like you are not a whole complete human being. You are very broken. You're flawed. You're flawed, but you will be perfect. You'll be your perfect, authentic, genuine self following, living your truth. Like me, if you read my book, says the author. Yeah. yeah. And then I want to say something about that. Speaking of the authors and the public speakers, and I'm not bashing them because some of them are amazing, but I had this realization a couple of years ago that some of the very famous and highly promoted self-help gurus, mm-hmm. when you look at their CV, like their story is, I was miserable. Then I became a coach or then I became a guru or a public speaker. And now I'm, you can have my life for, if you buy my $1,900 program. Yeah. Or if you come on my $10,000 retreat or whatever. But when I'm looking at some of them, I'm like, but what did you do? Yeah. What did you achieve? You built a business getting rich on telling people like me that you were going to help me heal my life. But where did you heal your life? Like, And I don't, I'm, again, you said no one's coming here for facts, but I'll just say like Tony Robbins, for example, when I look at his evidence of how he has, you know, how he turned his life around, all I can find is like, he was fat and unhappy and in a relationship he didn't want to be in with somebody who he says he was only with because he felt because he was fat, he couldn't have anything better. And now look at him. But I don't see the part where he did something like I get that he got motivated by a motivational speaker and then he became one. But like, where's the part where he achieved whatever? Anyways, Tony's people will sue us. But anyway, (laughs) the thing is, there's other people like that. And some of them who I look up to very much, but have recently sort of looked at it and been like, hang on, like people who whose business is about marketing and but but they do it under the guise of that you will fix your life. Like I'm going to help you find your true. There's a whole lot of true authenticity, best self. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, but then if you dissect it, you're like, oh, your program is about how to create a brand and market yourself. Why don't you just say that? Why don't you just say, right. I discovered that I'm amazing at branding and marketing, website design, whatever it is. And just say, that's the tool you have to offer these people. Right. And And list the benefits of those tools. Yeah. But the benefits of those tools is not an authentic life, a problem-free life. Your true A better marriage. You're more authentic. You. Yeah. No. I mean, they're tools that might contribute to that, but they're not going to create that for you. And then some of these self-help, just to go to the really dark side, I had an experience where I saw a retreat that was available that interested me and I knew it was out of my budget, but I was curious and nowhere on the advertising did it say how much the retreat was, of course. And the person running the retreat is somebody very well known who is um, promoted uh, by hugely famous and well-respected people with an enormous amount of influence. And I emailed the person who is organizing this retreat and I asked, can you just tell me how much it is? And I got a response saying, can we talk like on the phone? 
And I wrote back and said, nope, I just want to know how much the retreat is. And then I got a response. Can my girlfriend call you and she can tell you all about it. And I wrote back, I'm not committing to buying this retreat. I don't want to be bullied into it. I just want to know how much it is. They wrote back and said, yeah, yeah, for sure. Just let my girlfriend call you. I said, sure. She called me. I was on the phone with her for at least an hour and I heard all the lines, Nancy. Like if you really believe in yourself, yeah. if you yeah. really want to live your true authentic life or follow yeah. your path or your destiny, you will invest. It took so long to get the number out of her and she kept going and going. We have people who have applied for credit cards just so they can pay <laughs> for this. We have a person who, this was the weird one, who found like a vintage Westphalia or something in their garage that their grandparent had left them and they sold it and it was worth X amount of dollars. They sold that even though it was their grandparents just to pay for the like tuition for this retreat. Anyway, it went on and on. And I was telling her like, I don't think believing in myself means putting myself in debt and giving myself things to pay that I can't afford. And I have children to like, I'm a single parent with three daughters. Yeah. Being highly irresponsible does not equate believing in myself, but I did it for a little while. I felt that I had, I got high on that. I started, I really started going like, it's true. If I'm going to manifest my destiny, I need to believe in myself. Anyways, by the end of the conversation, I said, can you just tell me how much the retreat is? Yeah. It's $10,000, not including flights or accommodation. I wanted to go because the people giving the workshops are highly respected, extremely talented, successful. It was a writing workshop. I remember. Yeah. 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 And I just felt really sad when I got off the phone and I was ready. They want you to feel sad. Yeah. They want you to feel like a loser. And I felt like I'd missed my window. Like that was it. That was was my chance to become successful. Now it's not going to happen. And you weren't committed enough or wealthy enough or willing to take on credit to fulfill your true self. Mm-hmm. I think I started like a, you know, one of those GoFundMe things and like just put it on the <laughs> internet and walked away from it. And I never even got like a dollar donation because I'm sure people were like, help Jen get to Bali. <laughs> no, but like <laughs> the funny thing is that I felt really sad and disappointed despite all the arguments I just made, which I made to the person on the phone at the time. It's not that I was, I didn't get sucked in. I knew, like, I understood that what they were doing. Logically. Yeah. Yeah. But I still wanted to Emotionally though, they made you feel not good enough. Exactly. And of course, of course, because it's a marketing thing. The beginning of the conversation, she spoke to me so in such a beautiful, illustrative way that I was already picturing myself in Bali doing yoga, going for walks on the beach, taking writing classes with my best friend, like, you know, it's a script. It's a con. It's heartbreaking because their whole thing is believe in yourself, be your best. You, we want to help you get there. Like you said earlier, the retreats that I went on promised one specific thing. Mm -hmm. They promised writing workshops. They promised relaxation and like peer counseling and meeting new people. Sure. A good yoga yes. retreat is going to say it's a yoga retreat. They're right. not going to yeah. tell you that we're going to take, we're going to lead you down your path. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure a good retreat needs to cost $10,000. I'm not, you know what? We probably shouldn't go down that path because there probably are some good retreats on $10,000, but I can't afford that. And I've never been on them. I'd also just like you to stop saying that because when we have our retreat, <laughs> I don't want to be like, we can't charge $10,000. 
The few retreats I've been on have cost a few thousand dollars between like two and three thousand dollars. And that's for a week. And it includes food and accommodation and the programming. Yeah. This didn't even include food and, and accommodation. Crazy. Isn't it? And again, even if you understand in theory why this is just their marketing strategy, you can still often just walk away feeling you can either get sucked in and put yourself in debt to go do this thing, or you can also... But can you imagine the buyer's remorse? Like I know a lot of them, because I've been on a few of the webinars and the calls and they want like a $2,000 deposit now. Mm -hmm. And there's all this scarcity trick, like it's, it's now it's $10,000 with a $2,000 deposit today, but it's going up to $12,000. And there's, they actually have scripts on, I've seen the scripts on how to overcome the husband objection. Like, well, I have to talk to my husband first. And they have this whole script, like, aren't you your own woman? Mm -hmm. Doesn't your husband support you? What kind of marriage do you have if you're not allowed to make your... It's just incredible. And if he doesn't believe in you, shouldn't you still believe in yourself? Like, are you, what does that say about how you feel about your own self? I I feel like the rent needs to be paid. (laughs) I'm about to put my husband in a really bad spot. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And also what I think is really sad about it is it, it gives like that, the whole self-help movement, if I can call it that, like a bad rap, because there are some really great people out there who really are invested in helping. And a lot of people who actually have lived certain situations, been through certain tragedies, overcome incredible things and are really excited to share how they don't just look good on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they are excited to share how they got to where they are, how they overcame those things. And there's a whole bunch of uh, us out there who want to learn and and hear it. But it's sad when there's other people who are just seeing it as like, yeah, we're their desperate buyers. On the note of desperate buyers, I read this quote, unhappy people are easy to control. Our society's emphasis on productivity, wealth, and success keep people unhappy and then convince them to spend money on quick fixes that don't actually work. And a lot of those people that are authoring or speaking on those quick fixes have not achieved happiness or their true authentic self. Mm -hmm. We were talking about this recently, you and I, and one of the gurus came out and said that her marriage was falling apart because she's so successful and she didn't have children, but she wants to teach me how to be successful. I'm like, you don't have any children and your marriage is falling apart. It just didn't make sense to me. And I'm not saying that you have to be married or have children to be successful, but there's this whole part of what am I working for? Mm-hmm. Like it comes back to this whole thing about how do you define success? That's what I was just going to say, what is, what does she mean by, by, by success? success? Yeah. And is it Instagram followers? Is it a monthly income? And if that's what she's selling, then she should say, like we talked about, like you said, I stole your idea. I'm going to edit it so it comes out of my mouth first. So it looks like you stole my idea. She should say, I can help you get more Instagram followers. I can help you make $3,000 a month. But don't tell me you're going to, you know, now we're repeating ourselves. Because I was like, I don't want to have Instagram followers and not have a marriage. But we talked about this before too, that some of these people who are hugely successful, yes, they are successful financially. They're famous. They have, um, they have Oprah Winfrey, like, you know, supporting them and, and, and promoting them. And, but then 
you look at what their life is because we, as we are repeating ourselves, like one of our, one of the messages is if you do what I did, or if you do what I tell you to do, Mm -hmm. you can be me. Then when we are looking at some of their lives, it's like, why would I want that? Like, I just heard you on a podcast bragging about how you haven't been on a vacation in six years or how you don't have two days in a row to spend with your partner or, you know, because you're so dedicated to your business. I, that sounds horrible. Yeah. And I'm on a beach with my partner in Greece, listening to this podcast. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and I think it's great that you have all this money and fame, but like, what's the point really? Like, and I know that's not deep and everyone's like, wow, Jen, really? (laughs) (laughs) And that's going to be the name of my self-help book. (laughs) What's the point? (laughs) I don't know the tagline yet though. (laughs) that's the point what's the point by jen (laughs) but it's gonna fix your life and help you live your most authentic truth so so before we wrap this up i just wanted to share another thing that i read which Mm -hmm. was that in general people are unhappy and i think a lot of the reasons that they're unhappy have to do like with social media and this sort of perfect self and and all that But in 1930, Bertrand Russell wrote a book called The Conquest of Happiness. And so many years later, I'm not good at math, 30 plus 19, 49, no, 70, what? 1930, 70 plus 19, 89, 89 years later. Please tell me that's right. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I don't even understand what you're saying anymore. <laughs> the book was written in The book was written in 1930. Right. And it's 2019. So 70, 70 plus 19. Yeah. 89. 89 years later. We're so... It awesome. still makes sense. The eight maladies, that must have been a 1930 word, that cause unhappiness. And this list really spoke to me. We don't have to go through them all, but meaninglessness... Like people's, they want to have meaning in their lives. And when they don't, they will buy books on how to have meaning in your life, find your why, all that stuff. Competition. I mean, that's just huge, Mm -hmm. especially in the U.S. It's compete, compete. You know, there's winners and there's losers. Boredom. And this was big when I was reading the description. He was describing it that we used to have to like, fight for survival and work hard, like physically and go to the well to get our water. And now that our lives are so easy, we're actually bored. Yeah, for sure. Especially all this going to cubicle, working all day in front of a desk. I want to add to that because you mentioned a couple episodes ago about how we, when we're uncomfortable and we don't want to feel what we're feeling. We'll go, we'll go to like social media. We'll go online, yeah. whatever. So like, I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I'm going to distract drink, myself. Eat a croissant. Yeah. And also distract myself with like yeah. Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, but we do the same thing. The second we're going to get bored. Yeah. And Joanne told me about an article she read about that, where so many people, why social media is like, and we'll, we'll do an episode on this at some point, but like why it's stopping people from being creative because yeah. people have creative thought when there's nothing else going on in their heads. But if the minute you have an empty space in your life, you jump to a distraction. Mm-hmm. The minute you're unhappy, you jump to a distraction. What happens is you are bored, but you don't even know that you're bored. So you have this discomfort that's coming yeah. from the boredom, but you don't even know that you're bored because you're distracting yourself. You're still bored. Like scrolling through yeah. Facebook news feeds or whatever is still boring. Like you're not getting it, but you're distracted. 
Well, you're getting these tiny little hits of dopamine from new Instagram, who liked my post. Yeah. Who downloaded my podcast. But you're still bored. You're still not doing anything. No, you're still not. You're not being productive being or purposeful. Productive. Exactly. And the fourth one is fatigue. And that was both like physical fatigue and mental fatigue. So we're totally overwhelmed by everything that's going on. And so we have all these self-help books on how to simplify your life, basically how everything can be easier for you if you, if you buy this book. Envy. I'm so bad at envy. Mm -hmm. Like I will say that I had this, I think I mentioned it once before, but I had this incredible counselor because I've always had issues with jealousy and envy of people. And she told me that that was going to be like a cancer in my life. Uh, I was really young at the time. I was in my twenties. And she said, you have to flip it around to admiration. Yeah. So if you find yourself being envious of someone, turn it around and admire them for having achieved that. And that's really, really helped me. And I felt that yesterday because I joined this Facebook group called She Podcasts. And there's a woman in there, Anna Smith, who said, yay, we just reached 10,000 downloads. And instead of feeling envious, I had this moment of envy and jealousy. I turned it into admiration. And I was like admiring her for sticking through her podcast and getting to 10,000 downloads. And didn't you reach out actually and congratulate her? I did. Yes. I'm promised at some point we'll have an episode where I managed not to talk about the artist way, but... um, My real best friend, Julia Cameron, uh, also has an exercise in that book about jealousy. And it's just where you write a list of people you're jealous of, but then you have to write why, like, what is it about them? And, and then you need to look at those things. And she talks about how jealousy can be a good thing if you actually flip it, like what you just said Yeah, and, and use it as a tool. Like, why am I feeling jealous? What is it this person has? Oh, well, she's so fit. Okay. Can I get fit? Can I go for a walk? Exactly. You don't hate her. You just want to be more fit. So let's work on that. Same thing. I remember when I was seeing Jackie Seinfeld as a coach, I told her that I was really envious of this wife of one of Renault's coworkers. And I really liked how she dressed. And she said, why don't you invite her for coffee and ask her where she shops? And I was like, but it was the thing about the self-help that I was reading. People don't want to change. I just wanted to be envious. Yeah. But to actually call her... And tell her, I really like the way you dress. Would you, could, I never did it. It was a great idea. And I, I never did it. So now you're going to be wearing your pajamas all the time. That's right. I'm sitting here in a Mickey Mouse shirt from Winners. It's really cute. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Guilt, 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 guilt. I feel like I don't have a lot of guilt. Should I feel guilty? I don't know. I come from a French and Italian background. It's heavily Catholic. It yeah, so, so deep. In I grew face. up atheist. My mom's an atheist. Well, there you go. So no, you shouldn't have guilt. <laughs> I just have shame, which is the next one on the <laughs> list. <laughs> the evil twin sister, shame. <laughs> yeah. So persecution mania. That seems like maybe it was a 1930s term. I had to Google it, but it was people are gossiping about me. People don't appreciate me. That this kind oh. of like. um me, 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 me. Okay. Yeah. Like and how sort of a I just, the victim. Yeah. Thing. Victim card. Right. Yeah. And then the last one, which I think that, uh, we all have a certain amount of is fear of public opinion. What will people think? Oh gosh. Yeah. That's a big one for some people. I don't think I have that, but I have guilt. So 
Who needs that when you have guilt? We only have so much bandwidth for the things that make us unhappy. I'm like so consumed with shame that I have no room for guilt. I'm just like, I can have room for four of the things on that list. So I have to prioritize. Last thing I want to tell you some of the top selling best after we covered like Mm -hmm. that, that list of why people are unhappy, the top selling self-help books of all time. Yeah. And no, we do not think that you should go out and buy these books. Well, we might. Can I hear the list? (laughs) (laughs) Jen's like got Amazon open right now. (laughs) One click buy. (laughs) Could be here in an hour, Jen. Buy it now. Buy it now. The Alchemist. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't write down the author's names. I know that's Paulo Coelho, but I didn't write down all the authors. I read The Alchemist. It is interesting. It is good. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think you know I have what? all six of your copies of that. I just don't want to be a highly effective person. Hey, that's what I've decided. <laughs> hey, that's great. Nancy. I had a dream when I was uh, young that I was going to be a highly effective person. And in the theme of on the same page where dreams go to die, and maybe that's okay. Here now, I say it. I'm letting go of the dream of being a highly effective person. I just want to be ineffective. But <laughs> okay, and I've mastered it. Not just not effective, <laughs> yeah. but actually actively actually ineffective. Ineffective. Excellent. Yeah. But I just, you know what though? That's a really cool thing. How many of us stop when we see these books? How many of us actually stop and ask ourselves if we want that thing? That's right. Like instead of thinking that we should, because that's what society wants and rewards is productivity, effectiveness, success, wealth. Like how to be your best self. Eh, pass. (laughs) (laughs) Power of now, which I also know the name, but I can't say it. Eckhart Tolle. I tried to get through it. So many big words. (laughs) So many syllables. I was like, no. No, no, I'm going to read it. Rich dad, poor dad. Didn't read it. Envious. Envious that's because I'm like supposed to be a guru and expert of investing and super envious. Can't, can't even turn it around to admiration that someone wrote a great best-selling book on wealth. Best-selling health, best-selling self-help book on wealth. Yeah. Say that 10 times. Let's not. I couldn't do it once. I will say that a few years ago, I was researching that book and um, a lot of people were complaining about it, that it is just a marketing message upselling to higher level expensive programs. Like there's a $10,000 program and then you're selected for the $30,000 program and you don't even have to apply for a credit card because they do financing. They will financing you to do the higher levels. And I am going to investigate that that's true before I publish this podcast in case it's not. How to win friends and influence people. See, I don't even care about that. I have enough friends. Friends (laughs) are so exhausting. You have to be nice to them. You have to remember their birthdays. You have to invite them for dinner. You have to like their Facebook posts, download their podcasts, leave five-star reviews. They're no. just so demanding. Yeah, no, I'm going to pass on my friends thing. Yeah. Influence people? No. And instead of being like... I'm not highly- sure that's a good thing. Do you think anyone should be influenced by either of us? I'm just saying. That's a very good point. 
I think we're actually doing a service by not learning how to be more influential. (laughs) Think and Grow Rich. Another book very similar to The Secret. Don't at me. I know they're different. But it's this whole idea of if you believe it, it will come true. The Power of Positive Thinking. I think the whole positive thinking, positive affirmation movement has pretty much been debunked. So maybe instead of positive thinking movement. Yeah. Like if you think positively, if you do positive affirmations, your life will be perfect. You will be your true authentic self. And then the affirmations are, I am now my true authentic self. Remember that in the earlier in this podcast, I was like listening to a Louise Hay meditation. Yeah. And I was like, then I felt like crap after that's what it was. It was I am my true authentic self. I this, I that. I wrote. I, and I wasn't those things and it was making me grumpy. I have an affirmation that I've been having to write for this exercise I'm doing. And it's, I am a brilliant and prolific writer. I am none of those things. <laughs> like I'm a writer-ish. Like I write stuff, but like I'm not brilliant and I'm okay with that. And I am not at all a prolific writer. I do have issues with positive affirmations and positive thinking, but since we're committed to doing a season two and a season three, we can shelve that for a future episode. The Magic of Thinking Big. I did read this book and I really liked it. So think big. I really wanted to be a big, ineffective thinking person. (laughs) Um, No, seriously, I did read Magic of Thinking Big. I can't remember who the author is. I will put links to all of these in the show notes, and I will take the time to link the authors as well. Last one, Daring Greatly. This one was amazing, and I'm so glad that it's on this list because it's the one book that counteracts the entire self-help movement, in my opinion, (gasps) which is to be vulnerable. We're so afraid to be vulnerable And be who we really are and say, like, maybe I'm okay the way that I am. And instead, we go and buy all these other books on how to be somebody else or be better, faster, wealthier. And I really enjoyed Daring Greatly by Brene Brown Mm -hmm. because she talks a lot about being vulnerable and how powerful it can actually be in your life. I saw her talk doing a talk. And I was really touched by that. She's just so honest. And I think you're right because tying a bunch of those things in that were on the list of like maladies, including envy and, and, you know, competitiveness and all that stuff. And you were talking about the Instagram thing or whatever social media amplifies. It all amplifies the fact that it, it really contributes to people not feeling like they can be vulnerable because how can you be vulnerable when everyone else on Instagram is like confident and only eating water and does yoga six days a week, uh, six hours a day or whatever the thing is that they're doing so perfectly. How can you be like, Oh really? Cause I suck at yoga. <laughs> I can't walk for two days after I do it. But like, you know, people are, except for uh, Celeste, what's her last name? She's amazing. God, I love her. That woman on Instagram who takes the photos of models and stuff doing these like ridiculous poses. And then she does them as her. Oh, I've seen that on Facebook. She's so fun. But the average person is not able to be their vulnerable selves when we're being constantly bombarded by people living their fake perfect lives in our faces. In summary, if there's one thing that I can say to help you, Jen, 
No, to help you listeners, and I'm trying to do this myself, is to measure yourself against how far you've come Hmm. and not how far you feel like you have to go. I love that. Thank you. And I... Now I just need to practice it more. (laughs) You just need to do it yourself. I also want to say that we're still not like, yeah, well, I think we pretty much illustrated that, but like, I think there are a bunch of self help books that can be really helpful. Hmm. Imagine who knew, <laughs> uh, useful tools, but just not, you know, be careful of the quick fixes yeah, and be careful of the big promises, but for sure, continue to grow and learn and keep trying to improve yourself. Like I even feel just bad saying that to imp- you feel bad saying improve yourself. Well, I just didn't want to be on the same page as all those people that are saying you're not good enough. You should improve. Yeah. But if you would like some tools or there's things you do want to work on. Or to learn a new skill. Yeah. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. There's tons of people who could use a book on how to communicate better with their partner. For now. But... And it just, but it won't, it's not like save your marriage and you yeah, know, like that kind of thing. But like, if there's tools there that are useful to you, like for sure, get those tools that you, that might help you just remember that you're not doing it to be your more perfect self because you're perfect <laughs> um, already. Basically this whole episode was just our moment to tell our listeners that they're perfect. Yes. The I way agree. they are. Just- and I do think drum roll, please. That you are a brilliant and prolific writer. I love you, Jeff. I love you, Nancy. You're okay. also brilliant. <laughs> and yet ineffective. <laughs> Beautifully ineffective. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us for episode 12 of On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy. We'll see you next week. And don't forget to leave your iTunes review. <laughs> love you. Love Bye. you. I just want to be on the same page. I just want to be at the same stage. On the Same Page podcast, including show notes and links, provides education and entertainment and is intended for information purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on this podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a physician for any medical needs and always seek the advice of a qualified health professional for any of your mental health questions. On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy is recorded in Montreal, Quebec. The podcast is written, hosted, produced, and edited by Nancy Murdoch and Jen Chapman. Original theme music by Jen Chapman. I'm going to check because I wanted to read some uh, iTunes reviews. (laughs) Whatever, Nancy. You're pretending that you're checking to see which episode this is so you can go look at iTunes reviews. You can do both at the same time. I read a self-help book on multitasking. I feel (laughs) happy.